Hi everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place on the internet to follow the world of men's professional volleyball. And speaking of volleyball, there is so, so much of it going on right now. All of the major leagues are in their playoffs. We have had like one of the best Champions League quarterfinals and semifinals that I think I've ever seen. You never know what's happening next. And in this episode of the podcast... I'm going to go over the Champions League semifinals away match preview. We just had the home matches last week. (laughs) Definitely check those out if for some reason you haven't seen them yet. And then I'm going to give you the state of affairs in all the various playoffs in the different professional men's league throughout the world. Poland, Italy, France, Russia, Brazil, and anywhere else that (laughs) I cover throughout the episode. And if you guys have been enjoying the podcast, would love it if you could give me a good review on Apple Podcasts. Only at six reviews right now, so I would love to get that at least into the double digits, because I know a few more than six of you are listening to the podcast. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this recap of some excellent, excellent playoff volleyball. But before we get to the league recaps, let's talk about the most exciting thing going on right now. Let's be honest, it's Champions League Volleyball. Another stunning week of upsets and crazy performances. The first game I'm going to talk about, Kazan versus Zaxa. If you guys want more of a recap, you can check out the European Volleyball Show, which I do on Fridays with Rob St. Clair on the CEV YouTube channel. We go pretty far into detail on all the matches. This will be more of a preview. Um, But in case you missed the game, Zenikazan took the first two sets against Zaxa. Had five, five, guys, five match points in the third set. And of course, Group Azoti, Zaxa, Kedzirjunkozhul comes back and wins it in five sets, 16-14. Absolutely insane game of volleyball. Highly recommend you check it out on Eurovolley TV if you didn't get the chance to see it already. But yeah, I mean, it's set up a quite an interesting matchup for the next week. Uh, some interesting stats from the last one. Kazan actually played better than Zaxa Kadzirz and Kozil in most aspects. Their average pass was a 1.94 out of 3 compared to Zaxa's 1.86 out of 3. Uh, hitting efficiency, 35.3% compared to Zaxa's 32.6%. So it's not like Zenit Kazan was really doing much wrong. Uh, Alexander Buko going through the middle a lot in the first couple sets kind of fell away from it at the beginning. But Zenit Kazan definitely looked like they were on top of things. Bartosz Bednor started out amazing, faded a bit in the next uh, last couple sets. But really a decent performance from Zenit Kazan and probably one of the worst performances from Zaxa, at least in the uh, first couple sets especially uh, compared to how we've seen them play in the cups and everything. And yeah, it's, it's a bit worrying for Zenikazan because they're going over to Poland to play and Zaxa can play a lot better than they have already. However, so can Zenikazan. They were really targeting Oleg Schlifka in the first, uh, for the most of the game. He took 40 out of 94 receptions for Zaxa and it worked out pretty well. He wasn't passing great. He, they took him out of his rhythm the first few sets. And yeah, against Zax, I don't think there's really another option other than serving Schlifka really tough because out of Semenyuk and, and how Satorsky is passing right now, that's a really tough 
reception line to break. Of course, I'd like to see a little more consistency from Irvin Engapet. Granted, he was pretty good in this one. 15 for 28 attacking. Also adding two blocks and taking up a lot of court in reception as well. However, Bartosz Bednor is definitely taking the most. They were really, really targeting Bednor on serve, which of course you're going to do. He's the weakest passer by far in that lineup. But one thing I, I want to see more from Engapet in the next match is something which is maybe impossible for him, but to play a little more calmly with a little more level-headedness, especially one play that sticks out was one of the match points where he ran up to like in front of the attack line and took a free ball from Golubev and was like yelling at Artem Volvich when he was when uh, he was getting set the ball and didn't cover the attack. Artem Volvich got blocked by I believe Kohanovsky and that was a potential match point that could have changed the outlook of the entire game. So Engapet just got to focus 100% to the very end. You're one of the best players in volleyball. But uh, yeah, let's, let's act like it and lead your team to victory here. Great win for Zaxa. I mean, they love to go back to their home up 3-2. Zenikazan needs a 3-2 victory to force a golden set or a 3-0, 3-1 victory to win outright. And uh, I still think I, I, I believe in Kazan here. They already saw them play a lot better in their Russian League game over the weekend. I think they're going to be hungry. I think uh, Angapat can definitely play better in this one. I think Butko can definitely play a lot better in this one as well. And there's so much experience on this team between Mikhailov, Volvich, and Butko. I feel like I trust the mental capacity of Zenikazan a little more than I do Zaxa. We saw Zaxa get really, really rattled in those first two sets. It really depends how they go into this next game, whether they're going to be nervous like they were at the beginning of this game or, you know, the, the beast that, <laughs> that awoken in the next one. And I also think uh, Zenikazan is going to do a bit better job of, of avoiding the block in this one. Of course, if Zaxa can get off to a strong early start, that could be really tough for Zenikazan to bounce back from. And I also think uh, Alex Schlifka probably had one of his worst games that I've seen from him in a while, so I don't think he's going to play as badly, which, you know, means <laughs> Zax is not going to have any weaknesses. So definitely excited for this one. I do think Zeneca Zahn could come back, whether it's in a golden set or a 3-1 victory. Either way, both these teams are playing pretty well right now, and uh, either one would be a very deserving team in the Super Finals. The other side of the bracket, not quite as interesting, because Trentino absolutely smashed... Perugia 3-0 and I just watched a lot of this game again and yeah pretty much nothing going right for Perugia. The average pass rating of Perugia only 1.91 compared to 2.0 for Trentino so passing wasn't really the big difference in this one but get this the attack efficiency 42% for Trentino and 25% for Perugia so a massive difference there even though the passing Really not that much different. And yeah, if you watch the game, Perugia did not have it at all in offense. I mean, for sure, as we've talked about a lot this season, some of that blame has to be on Dragon Trevitsa. Uh, you could see a lot of his sets were throwing the hitters off. Even uh, I saw a few hits from Wilfredo Leon where, you know, he, he was going in for approach, but kind of had to take a stutter step, kind of stumbled a bit going in for the ball because it was it was just wasn't where he expected it which 
you know, I'm not a huge Trevitsa fan, but still, I mean, at this level, you should be able to deliver decently consistent balls. However, I also thought the Perugia attackers were not doing a good job of attacking the ball when they got it. It seemed like they were either being too cute and going for a lot of these, you know, set attacks, roll shots, trying to go for hands, but a little too lightly, or they were get, getting just straight up roofed by Trentino, whereas Trentino was doing a much better job of taking advantage of late blockers and, and working with what the block gave them. And one thing that I'd like to see Perugia do a lot more in the next match is more resetting of the ball. Like Trevitsa is not always going to deliver a perfect ball. So if, if you are aware of that situation, you see a bad ball, you know, reset, put that ball up into the block, uh, you know, get your team a decent opportunity to score, even if you're not still able to run a great offense, get another option at the ball. We saw Trentino do that a lot this game, really smart resets when they knew it wasn't there. And I think that's why you see so much more of a difference in efficiency than you do in attack percentage in this one. Of course, in the next game, Wilfredo Leon and Ole Plotnitschke are going to play a lot better. I mean, the Trentino blocking was awesome. Just some athletic, smart blockers on that team. But, I mean, that was probably like Wilfredo Leon's worst game I've seen him play almost ever. And you do not <laughs> expect two of those in a row from Wilfredo Leon. He's going to bring a lot more heat from the service line. He didn't get any aces in this one. Hitting 7 for 18 with 5 airs. So, I mean, a bad game for Leon usually is like 50% efficiency. So, he's 2 for 18 in terms of efficiency. That's just absolutely not his usual level. And, you know, having talked to Leon a couple times in the past, like, he's going to be really fired up. He thrives on this kind of game, not uh, reaching the goal that he wanted to. I guess the thing is whether they're able to turn that into a team effort. And I think they will be. Of course, the opposite was still a kind of a question mark in this game. I thought Tyster Horse was actually probably one of their best players. For sure, Trentino was letting him swing away a lot more than the other players on the team. But I thought he took advantage for the most part, uh, hitting 9 for 15. While I do think Perugia will play a lot better in the next match, coming down from a 3-0 deficit is going to be real tough. And of course we saw it, a uh, Jekyll and Hyde moment for Perugia against Moedana in the quarterfinals as well, where they got smashed in a similar fashion. I don't, I don't know what it is about Perugia, but for some reason they just have games like this. And, and I think some of it comes down to they were missing a lot of kind of chippy balls where they're either missing... Oh, slightly out on the sideline, slightly out on the baseline, missing fingertips by a little bit. And sometimes when you miss a few of those shots in the row, it can feel like the volleyball gods are conspiring against you and you start second guessing, you're attacking where you're targeting and that can kind of snowball. I think it did in this game a little bit for Perugia. And another thing I'd like to see them do, and I know Alessandro Micheletto's a really good passer, especially for his age, but I feel like they should just take advantage of the fact that such a young guy is playing such an important role in a Champions League game. Yes, I love Micheletto. Definitely the right move. For sure, starting him for Trentino. But I feel like they're almost going too easy on him. Just throw everything you can at Micheletto. Make him prove that he belongs on the court and hopefully force them to sub in Dick Coy. Anyway, going to be a very crazy, exciting, fun 
week of Champions League Volleyball. Also, the women's matches are going to be exciting as well. Seeing if Bustuos Arzizio can win again against Vakif Bank, that would be monster upset. I mean, we're talking about Zaxa versus beating Zeneca Zahn. Busto beating Vakif Bank is, is like three times as big as an upset. And of course, Caneliano destroying Novara as well. But as we've seen so far this year, literally anything could happen in Champions League. There's no telling what kind of team is going to show up to each match. So there are a lot of volleyball leagues in the world. Too many, really, for any one person to follow. So most of you probably follow one or two leagues closely. And if you need a refresher on kind of what's going on in the world of the playoffs in volleyball i'm going to give you a really quick hitter of what's going on here starting in italy we had our last matches of the quarterfinals this weekend with perugia smashing milano in the um, third match of the best of three and really they didn't even play that well but it was still a 75 59 overall victory not so good from the outside hitters leon and plotnetsky but Teister Horst and the Middles carried the day, including four aces from Teister Horst. 19 points, 13 for 20 hitting, two blocks. So great job from opposite to Horst. And not so good from Milano. Still a absolutely baffling, stubborn refusal to play Stephen Marr. Even though you have Yuki Ishikawa hitting six for 18. Not really sure what the decision was to really bench him this entire series. Would they have won if they played Marmor? Yeah, I think I think they would have had a pretty good shot, especially in that second game. That was really they were so close to winning. Um, yeah, d definitely don't agree with the lineup decisions of Roberto Piazza, especially I think Luka Basic was in there for for more than more. Just absolutely, absolutely strange stuff. And I like the team, and I actually like Roberto Piazza as a coach, but. After this year, I have to say a lot of their struggles, I think, were due, due to a severe, just crazy lineup decisions throughout the year. And an absolutely way better game, Monza versus Viva Valencia, 3-2-16-14 this series, going the absolute distance. What a battle between these two teams. And uh, Monza getting through without Max Holt, which you probably wouldn't have guessed before the series. Shout out to Thomas Beretta, doing a great job filling in for Holt, hitting five for six in this one, one block. And overall, I just had a pretty efficient, pretty solid series. So great job stepping in for uh, Max Holt. Unfortunately, the fairy tale season for Vibo Valencia comes to an end. Tough match in this one. Abuba, I think, uh, really struggled in this one to hit the ball. Six unforced attacking errors. Uh, TJ DeFalco played great, seven feet, 17 for 25. Thibaut Rossard was less good, 13 for 31. Unfortunately, they really needed a top-tier performance from both of those guys if they wanted to win this series. And yeah, I, I think if you play this series back a few times, probably Viva Valencia, I would say. Without Max Holtz, Viva Valencia, is, I would say, is a stronger team. But unfortunately, it had some untimely errors in this series. And, you know, didn't expect to go up against Super Filippo Lanza, who just went off in this game winning the MVP. 
but setting up some pretty good semifinals matches in Italy here, Lube versus Trentino, which I feel like I haven't seen those teams play very much. Uh, both of them sweeping uh, the, each other at home earlier on in the season. And then Monza versus Perugia. I mean, who knows? We've seen Perugia struggle a bit, but uh, in my opinion, probably Milano was the bigger, tougher opponent than Monza will be without Max Holt. Similar story in the Plus League. A little bit of a later start. Uh, we just started the quarterfinals. We had the first matches over the weekend. Skra Belchatov beating Rissovia 3-1. Pretty good game for them. And funnily enough, their leading scorer, Matej Biniak, monster game with five blocks, nine for 16 attacking, two aces. So, you know, I feel like we've been chirping Matej Biniak's blocks a little bit recently, but he's he's showing right here that he's he's really capable of having these defensive games. Jeffrey Jendrick, again, not really seeing much court time for Rosovia. Don't really agree with it. I've seen lots of good arguments that he's just not playing that well, but I think his ceiling is just so, so much higher than Bartosz Krulicki. I think you have to play him when you're down in the series because I think a really good Jeffrey Jendrick game actually gives you a lot more of a chance against Matej Biniak than anyone else on the team would. Gdansk beat Versava, which I'm, I know Gdansk is good this year, guys, but to me that still seems like Definitely the biggest upset of the Plus Liga playoffs so far. Moritz Kleshart having a great game in this one, winning the match MVP, hitting 16 for 29. He, I gave him my Rookie of the Year for the Plus Liga if you guys want to check out my award video, which you can find on my YouTube channel, 5-1 Volleyball. Uh, Marcin Janna is doing a great job as he has all year, getting his team to hit 43% efficiency, public career with a great game as well, scoring 10 points, and just a very even, very solid game for Gdansk. Arthur Schalpuk, however, with the bounce-back game for Versava, has been having the greatest season, is looking pretty shaky a lot of the time, but 14 for 23 in this one with a block as well, so this could be a really good sign for Versava if he can keep playing like that. Same situation as Rosovia. Maybe he wasn't playing as well as Grobelny overall in this season, but again, he, he definitely has a much higher ceiling in terms of how he can potentially play. And then Bartosz Folek, another Polish outside hitter, not quite getting there for Versava, struggling with that big Gdansk block, only hitting 12 for 26 with four errors. So this series definitely isn't over, but I'm... I'm I still don't really understand it, but Gdansk is quite a good team this year. One we don't have to talk a lot about, Yastrzemski Vegil versus Zavierci, 3-0. I think Zavierci definitely overperformed on their regular season. And, I mean, you saw in this one, they just struggled a lot, only hitting 29% efficiency, especially Garrett Magutitia, hitting a whopping 2 for 14 so not the greatest performance from, from Garrett. Uh, they'll definitely need to see better from him in the next one. Same thing with Matej Malinowski. 12 for 27, but also 7 airs. So really struggling uh, with that outside hitting. Of course, with Xavierci, they need to get Flavio involved as much as possible. He only got 5 attacking attempts in this one. You're definitely going to need to see more from your 
big name Italian or sorry, big name Brazilian middle in a game that actually, you know, I had to turn on and flip to. I was surprised when I saw the score. 1-0 uh, Silvaki started out against Zaxa Kajirchen Kojol, which seems unheard of given the uh, crazy high performance of Zaxa the past couple weeks in the Polish Cup and in Champions League. But that didn't last very long as Zaxa won the next few sets. 25-16, 25-16, 25-21 against Silvaki. I thought Josh Tuiniga played a decent game, but just got ultimately got frustrated by an extremely elite Zaxa block. David Smith had a nice game in this one, hitting five for eight, three blocks, three aces, so doing it from everywhere on the court, whereas Marcin Walensky on the other side of the court wasn't able to get it done, only hitting six for 22. Thomas Rousseau, the Belgian outside hitter, similar. 8 for 21 with 4 errors. I don't really like Slovakia's chances in this one. Yeah, big big, uh, big surprise there, guys. In the Russian Super League, we are in the first round of the playoffs. First two teams, Kuzbas Kemerovo, Dynamo Moscow, getting a bye. Great job on those two guys on a great season. And yeah, that's right. No Zenek is on in the top two. They aren't automatically going to win the Russian League this year. Instead, they played uh, Yanesi in the first round, made very quick work of them. Interestingly, no Irvin Engapet in this one. Instead, we saw Fedor Voronkov, who actually could be a pretty decent substitute against Zaksa and Kozhal, throwing a different look at them. We'll see if they decide to go with that. Zenit St. Petersburg beating Smolter. Uh, Locomotive Novosibirsk beating Ural Ulfa, which is actually probably my most surprising game, uh, given that it was such a thorough 3-0 victory in this one. Drazen Lubrich, great match, 19 points, 19 for 27, attacking. Actually, been, quietly been having a really strong season. So, And I know Serbia is not in the Olympics this year, but theoretically, I think their strongest team probably this summer would have included Drazen Lubrich, uh, considering how injured Alexander Tanasevich still seems to be. And the only match that wasn't 3-0, Fekel Novi Erngoy beating uh, Ask Nizhny Novgorod 3-1. Dmitry Volkov, another player, having a great season after. I think he struggled a little bit last year, but bounced back to become one of the best outside hitters in Russia once again. Dmitry Vietsky, the Ukrainian opposite guy. Got to keep your uh, eyes on this guy. He, I saw him play a lot at Eurovolley 2019. He is a monster, hitting 22 for 42 in this one with two aces, but not enough for uh, Novgorod to get through Fekel Novi Urengoy. And Eric Shoji had a great match as well. Uh, yeah, so Russian League playoffs. Uh, looks like it's going to be a pretty quick one here. Play one more match next Sunday. Then, of course, a rubber match if is needed. And then we'll see Dynamo Moscow. Are they for real? Are they really this dominant? Are we going to see them crush the Russian playoffs like Zenit Kazan has done in the past? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Okay, now here's a good one. Let's talk about Brazil. I think I haven't really talked about Brazil at all on the podcast uh, so far. 
this year, but there's been some interesting stuff going down recently. They just finished their quarterfinals matches and a incredibly surprising result is that Sada Cruzeiro losing to Itapentiniga. I'm sorry, probably did not say that right, but yeah, that's right. Sada Cruzeiro, after leading the league in the regular season with Facundo Conte, Isaac Santos, Miguel Lopez, Alan Souza. Like this team was just completely stacked. It's pretty much the the Brazilian league, as I said in the beginning of the season, it was essentially there's only two teams with legit players with Sada Cruzeiro and Tabate. But I guess talent is not enough and, and they weren't really missing anyone. All their big players were playing in this game. And there was even a classic reverse sweep with Itapentininja losing the first two sets and then coming back, reverse sweeping them. One guy to keep your eye on is Adriano Javier, a 2002 outside hitter playing for uh, Itapentininja and yeah, scoring 13 for 27 in that five set victory, 2002 guys. 18, 19 years old, and he's beating Sada Cruzeiro. Could be a guy to watch on the Brazilian national team going forward. Also, by the way, in Brazil, Darlin Souza, Alan Souza's little bro, leading the league in scoring. And yeah, Adriano Javier, 11 for 17 in the other match against Sada Cruzeiro. Yeah, keep your eyes. Renan Buyati, also on that team, the like seven foot two monster opposite, who, who couldn't hack it, by the way, in, in Italy a couple of years ago. But somehow moving on to, to Brazil and joining this team, that's upset Sada Cruzeiro. So, I mean, we'll see. It also took Tabate to three matches to get to the semifinals as well. I definitely expect Tabate to win against Vali Renata and then Minas Tennis Club playing against uh, Ipata Ninja. That's not, that's not how you say it, guys, but <laughs> that, that's how I'm going to pronounce it for now. So, yeah, things heating up in Brazil. Weird, weird season, though, I have to say overall. Definitely a lot of lost sponsorships in Brazil. Some some pretty big teams have folded there over the past couple of years, and it's quite unfortunate to see. All right, let's go back to Europe for the last couple of leagues I'm going to talk about. Let's do Germany quickly first. We had the semifinals this week. Friedrichshafen, Lüneburg, Duren in Berlin. And yeah, there's a few surprising results here. Definitely the biggest one is Duran beating Berlin 3-2-1. Berlin, the team that completely dominates the Bundesliga generally. It's generally like always Berlin versus Friedrichshafen in the finals. But no, Blair Ban, Lucas Van Berkel, Team Canada here beating Berlin Recycling Volleys 3-1, giving them a great start in the semifinal series which is a best of three, best of five in the finals. But yeah, I mean, other than Blair, Blair Bian obviously is like one of the best Liberos in the world. Amazing, obviously boosts that team a lot. Lucas Van Berkel, a very good middle for the level of the German league, probably one of the best middles in the league. But really, other than that, it's, it's kind of strange how well they're doing. And I think part of this was, was definitely Berlin recycling volleys, not playing their best game in this one. 22 attacking errors, 22 service errors. So definitely a lot is on Berlin, but also 
I don't know. I, I think this kind of reveals what I've talked about with Berlin before, which is I'm not I'm just not impressed with the level of the outside hitters on this team. I mean, I like Timothy Carl, but at this level he's not great. And Samuel Tuia, um, yeah, is fine as well, but just kind of an average like German league level outside hitter. So why Berlin recycling volleys? You have Sergey Grankin, you have Ader Carbonero, you have Ben Patch, you have Anton Brem, you have all these like pretty high level guys at every other position. But for some reason, for the outside hitter position, like one of the most important positions, if not the most important, in my opinion, why why don't you just get like one tier upgraded on those guys? Like if they could convince like someone like a Steven Marr who's who's sitting on the bench in Milano to come to the Berlin Recycling Volleys, like he would be a massive upgrade on either of these guys and I think would fit in pretty well with the team. So if they could get someone like one level up like that, maybe like a uh, Javin Manavi, like a Clemence Bulge, one of those guys who's not like an elite outside hitter, but would still be a big upgrade. And I'm pretty sure Berlin can afford them. So yeah, right now Berlin's like a really nice, well-made burger without any meat. There's just the, the substance isn't there for the team. On the other side of the bracket, we have Friedrich Schaffen against Lüneburg. And again, I'm, I feel like we're seeing like a million of these recently. But the reverse sweep for Friedrich Schaffen, that's right. Lüneburg had them on the ropes. Eyes von Solkema, in my opinion, one of the most underrated setters in the game. The Dutch young setter even played in like Polonia London earlier this year. Uh, Jordan Ewert, the American outside hitter who played on Stanford, doing a good job in this one. Tyler Kozlowski, the former Trinity Western libero. So kind of a, a weird algamation of players here on Durant or on Lunenburg, which sometimes you find in the German League, but Seems to be working pretty well for them. Almost getting the win in this one, five. But Friedrich Schaffen looking pretty good. Probably going to be the Bundesliga champions, if I had to guess. Uh, Joe Worsley didn't start the game, but he finished it. You know, that's tough competition. Dan Vincic is a very good setter, so it, it goes to show how legitimate Joe Worsley is that he's getting significant playing time over the Slovenian setter. Linus Weber, of course, carrying the offense from Friedrich Schaffen that we've seen all season. 25 for 46 attacking. Nehemia Mote. Actually, you know, quietly having kind of like a bounce back season. I think this is one of his best seasons in a while. Seven blocks in this one. Absolutely fantastic. Getting the better of Victor Lindbergh and Jordan Ewert a couple of times there. He's going to be fun to watch on the Australian national team this summer. Unfortunately, not a ton of of good news for Australia. Don't really feel like there's a lot of good prospects for them on the horizon, but you know, Luke Perry and Nehemia Mote always, always will be a fun watch. So yeah, as we've seen kind of the theme of the playoffs, some Titans of the last decade are falling off between Zenit Kazan, Berlin recycling volleys, Sada Cruzeiro, no Modena this year as well. So yeah, thing, things are shaking up in the world of volleyball. And the last league I will talk about today is the French League A, which actually hasn't even started their playoffs yet. They actually still have one more week of regular season matches. So a little later there, nothing wrong with that. Montpellier going to come out on top, already guaranteed first position with 60 
ranking points on the year. 21-4, and four, of course, a couple Canadians leading the way in Danny Demianenko and Ryan Sclater, so great job for them. AS Khan with uh, a great story this year, Taylor Averill making his case to be brought to the Olympics, having an outstanding season so far. Also, the Australian, the Aussie opposite, Lincoln Williams, carrying the load on that team as well. Then we have Narbonne, Chaumont, Tours, Darquin, Cambrai, Poitiers with Maikamaa. And uh, yeah, so Tours in fifth place. A little strange uh, to see them down there. And uh, yeah, Paris out and Toulouse outside of the playoffs as well. Uh, Ajaccio coming in at last place there. But man, France has been a pretty exciting league to follow this year. Montpellier is definitely the best team so far. And ex I do expect them to win the league. But man, I re really anything could happen in France. A lot of great players, great volleyball being played there. And LNV Top TV, pretty good, guys. I would, if you want to watch the games, that's where I would go to uh, check them out. Anyway, that's a lot of volleyball leagues to talk about today. Definitely, if you want to learn more about each individual one, there's probably better places uh, you can get that information. Uh, if you ever want to know like how I get the stats or where I watch each individual league, just DM me on Instagram. Usually happy to respond uh, of where I get my information. But I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Hope you're getting hyped up for another big week of Champions League. And yeah, I'll talk to you guys probably next weekend to uh, recap some of what went down with all the uh, Champions League, CV Cup, Challenge Cup stuff. Thanks for listening.